Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Last week, um, I'm just going about my life like I normally do, and uh, I start getting uh, emails about uh, about hey, there's a colonel that's been on your program that's uh, that's in the news, and I'm like, what are they talk? What are people talking about? And <clears throat> lo and behold, joining us from. Uh, Taiwan, Taipei is uh, Taipei, Taiwan is Grant Newsham, the aforementioned uh, guy in the in the news. So, uh, so Grant, so Grant, uh, you became famous all of a sudden. What happened? Like, uh, and, and now you're putting us on a footing for nuclear war. I read. It appears that way. Um, you know, I kind of get used to being a nobody. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what happened is. Um, a Stars and Stripes reporter in uh, Japan called, you know, sent me an email, and he had a few questions. What he wanted to know was, can the Chinese get across the Taiwan Strait and you know land on Taipei on Taiwan? So I you know explained that to him that yeah they could, uh, and the reasons why, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and you know how their amphibious capability is actually pretty good, you know after having been dismissed as you know, useless or the Chinese aren't smart enough. Uh, I didn't quite use those words, but I said the U.S. and the Marines had been condescending towards the Chinese uh, for many years regarding their capabilities and that their capabilities are pretty good. And then I added a little bit and I said, look, if you want to prevent this from happening, if you want to prevent a, a fight over Taiwan, the U.S. government has got to make it very clear to the, the Chinese leadership that they will lose everything. And I said that the Americans need to uh, consider the use of nuclear weapons as part of a sort of a potential defense of Taiwan, something like that. And the, uh, you know, the reporter sends me back, uh, you know, when the thing's up, he sends it to me. And one, he had gotten some of the things I'd said wrong. And considering that I sent them in an email, it was surprising to see that, uh, you know, he'd make those mistakes, but maybe it shouldn't have been. Uh, but then there was also the, the, the headline, which said, as you described, a retired Marine colonel, you know, Newsham calls for dropping a nuclear weapon on Beijing or something <laughs> like that. You know, you kind of feel, well, that isn't quite what I said. Um, I said, you've got to think about it. But, you know, I, it, uh, you know, I think I got him to correct the uh, the misstatements about Chinese capabilities, uh, and I did. And regarding the, you know, the 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 headline, yeah, I didn't even bother to bother with it. You know, figuring who reads who reads Stars and Stripes, um, and most stories anyway have the shelf life of a, like a like a caterpillar on a say a warm spring day. They don't live very long, uh, so I just let it go, and uh, and I got. You know, I, even I got some notice, you know, some people who'd seen this. And one of them actually was a, a very senior, and it cheered me up because it was um, a senior Marine general who I think very, very highly of, um, who said, well, yeah, you said it right, Grant, or something like that. And so that made me feel good. And I was glad I didn't change the, the headline at that point. And then another Marine general of whom I think, well, uh, highly, uh, said something similar. He s said that it got some tongues wagging in Washington, but good. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, the, the headline really had nothing to do with what I actually said. And if you actually read the comment commentary, uh, it was, you know, the commentary put it in the right context. And, you know, so this doesn't happen all that often, but sometimes it does. And, and Newsweek actually picked it up. And, they actually, they reported the story correctly and with the correct headline. And so I thought, you know, I told the news reporter that he'd done very well, which he seemed to appreciate. But now the Stars and Stripes, this was, you know, I suppose the, the, the clickbait that one hears about. Uh, 
Um, but, you know, it was a little bit of a shock. But, you know, I, I suppose I got over it at some point. There, there's so much going on anyway that, you know, the I suppose that outside of U.S. Marine Corps public affairs officers and maybe the the more fragile of our senior officers and the courtier class, um, I suppose it blew over fairly quickly. Well, no, it doesn't actually, because these people never forget. Um, but I don't really care is probably it, uh, maybe the best way to put it. And some people who do, who I do care with their opinions, they said this was good. So, you know, that, that was that, but it was a, Oh, uh, you know, for just a minute, I, you know, was a little myth that, you know, they'd put such a stupid headline on it and, and like affairs officers and the courtier class and maybe a few um, sort of higher officers that there's some, I don't know, they're probably uh, sort of outraged that any Marine active or former uh, would actually have an opinion of their own, much less stating the obvious uh, they might be a little outraged at that. But uh, beyond that, it seems like the response has been pretty good. Uh, so I don't really care all that much uh, about it. But the, these guys will never forget. Uh, but if you think about it, what I said was all common sense. You know, if we're talking about defending Taiwan, that nuclear weapons have to be part of the discussion. And you'd better think about that beforehand, uh, not after the Chinese come you know, across the strait and, and telling the Americans, as they will, uh, that um, we're coming and you'd better stand back or we're going to nuke Los Angeles. Is it really worth it for you Americans? And you can see uh, this administration, and I would say most administrations, they would, they would be cowering with a, sort of a China that's out for blood and threatening to use nukes. And China has actually a pretty good uh, set of nuclear weapons, uh, probably better than ours actually. So you need to think about this in advance. And if you can't convince the, the Chinese that you just might use them as well, they've got the advantage over you and they will play it for all it's worth. Uh, so really, that's it's always strikes me as odd that, you know, when I say these things, you know, these why hasn't somebody said them before? Because uh, most of what I say, it's you know, not as if it's that hard to figure out. Uh, but, you know, it seems as though the, the commentariat who focuses on these matters, they all stay within some fairly narrow lanes and repeat the same things over and over. So uh, as I say, it, it really shouldn't be me that's actually saying these things. Um, so th that was the, the excitement, I guess, for last week. Well, I mean, especially when one st straight up stands up on their back, on their hind legs and, and lets out a yell. I mean, God forbid. I mean, that that simply doesn't happen, Grant. We don't do that. So... You need to uh, you need to come to uh, you need to come to grips with our our the new reality of the way we do this, right? And I, it was on full display right after the first meeting between the Chinese and and Mr. Blinken when they when they railed on him and he didn't do anything. Okay? <laughs> no, he did he didn't at all. Uh, and they sized up the Biden administration at that point and their behavior since then. Uh, shows they have not changed their minds and they have not taken this administration any more seriously. Uh, you know, and as we've noted before, it's not just this administration. You know, all administrations have their uh, weaknesses and sort of getting China to where it is today, where it could probably defeat us in certain circumstances or and feels that it has the, the edge over us. That, that was a bipartisan uh, Democrat and Republican achievement. Um, yeah, so... You know that that's where we are. Did you um, did you get any interesting reaction from Japan itself, and anything from China? Did anybody reach out to you and and uh, and express either concern one way or the other about it? No, I, I don't think I did. Um, from Japan, I, I suspect that there might be three or four people who read Stars and Stripes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah, but didn't it get carried by other news organizations? I I, I thought it did. It probably did, and, and Newsweek, and it, you know, pro I think it showed up uh, where somewhere else. Um, I forget where, but uh, you know, it, for whatever reason, I guess I'm not as famous as as you seem to think I was for <laughs> for a minute or two. So I think I've gone back to my uh, you know, my accustomed obscurity. Uh, you know the and you know the Chinese. I have no idea what they think, but they pick up most things and. 
Uh, from Taiwan, I think actually one guy in Taiwan whose opinion I really value, he was very complimentary of the, the commentary. Um, you know, th there are people whose opinion I do care about, in fact, more than really? you. Really? In, sp oh, yeah. in spite yeah. of your cavalier, Virginia, oh, yeah. upper yeah. crust, Baltimore-ish, um, <laughs> look down my nose at everybody else uh, oh, yeah, attitude, yeah. you actually yeah, do care. Yeah, you know, if I was from Dundalk, I wouldn't care. Um, or from anywhere in New York City, I wouldn't care. But no, I, I must say I do. You know, there are people who's, you know, who are, you know, whose opinions, but uh, ideas are in the ballpark that I do. Uh, you know, if they tell me, what are you talking about? Then it would bother me. Uh, but they all, you know, came in, you know, positive. Uh so, but and then there's others' opinions. I just don't care. You know, that's one of the reasons I don't read the comments uh, after anything that I write and they post it. Uh, that it, uh, it one it drives I'm too thin-skinned, but also you know it, it'd be like you know inter saying something in a bar at 1 a.m. and in, or interjecting yourself into a bar at you know late in the night and trying to um, have a civilized discussion. It, it's not worth it. You know, these are just, you know, what, you know, the kind of people who before social media would never say these things to one's face. Right. Um, so it's sort of given what used to be known as pussies, like a wonderful platform uh, <laughs> to, to really to behave in an ungentlemanly way. Well, you know, you, uh, and, the, way, the, the, the manner we used to do that was, you know, letter to the editor, right? You had to sign your name mm -hmm. to it. And, uh, and so it it kept everybody honest. You want to put your name on it. You want to put it in the newspaper, and everybody's going to know who it is, who you are, and write it. And uh, I think it kept the uh, it kept the discussion civil. Now there are many people that would tell you that if you want to if you want to see how close the end of the world is, right? Just go ahead and read the comments of anything that gets posted online, and you'll see that it's awfully near. Right. It's yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, and I, I just will not read the things. Uh, I did the very first piece I wrote in 2012 or 13, and I thought it would be like a, you know, a discussion, and it was just ad hominem attacks against me. So I said I will never read another one, and I never have. Uh, you know, plus there's nothing to keep other people from writing their own, you know, op-eds or articles. Uh, but it's, you know, as I say, it's given a platform for to people for people to uh, say things they would never have said uh, to somebody's face. Uh, you know, so it's I suspect there's um, you know a certain type of person who's delighted with the advent of social media. Uh, but as you you point out, it has not I think helped uh, public discourse or even public behavior. Uh, which... uh, I think you could make the case that, uh, you know, it's interesting that 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 woman who was a whistleblower uh, on Facebook, um, very impressive woman. And, you know, she said, look, um, social media at the end of the day uh, empowers all the crazies and everything they do. And it hurts democracies. And and something has to be done to rein this in and control this, because all we've done is we've unleashed these horrible elements in our culture allowed them this incredible platform to raise money on and to gain exposure the likes of which they could have never ever ever achieved and um and the the good that's come out of it is what that we can grab a phone and we have easier access to um uh, that we have easier access to uh, to to news stories. Uh, I don't think the upside is quite worth the downside there. So the juice ain't worth the squeeze, in McNamara's opinion. But you know, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again. I'm probably not. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was her testimony. I, I found uh, I found very interesting for a lot of different reasons. For a lot of different reasons. So. But that was her, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's hurting Western, you know, it's hurting Western democracies. And uh, somebody better do something. And if we think that, you know, the people that control it are ever going to do anything, um, I think we're mistaken. But. Yeah, it does. It does certainly stoke uh, animosities, I think, in an unhealthy way. Uh, but, you know, you, we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know. 
So I wonder at the State Department what they said when they saw your comments. Oh, my God, this Marine. Look what he said, that we have to tell the Chinese we're going to nuke them. I don't know. They probably called over to Eighth and I and asked if I could be put in the brig. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it. Yeah, I, oh, you know, as I say, this stuff just—I think it blows over pretty quickly. But you never know, you know what, you know what uh, sticks with people. Uh, but it, it is—it's really—it is just stating the obvious. You know, if anybody is talking about Taiwan's defense, and is not thinking about nuclear weapons because you can't think about this, uh, that you're setting yourself up for a, a really embarrassing defeat that is going to be bloody. Uh, you know, I you know, I mentioned to somebody that, you know, when you think about what we've got going with China over Taiwan and over many things, but say Taiwan, that it reminds me of that poker game in The Sting, the movie The Sting, and you're you're old enough to remember it as well, uh, where Paul Newman is playing Robert Shaw, in and Robert Shaw's this really menacing Irish gangster from the East Coast somewhere, and they're playing on a train, and you know, there's these other players in the game, and these are businessmen from, you know, Philly and Pittsburgh. And, Queens. Uh, uh, ooh, I don't think they were. No, not from Queens, oh. because these, these guys were chumps. <laughs> you know, they, they were just the chumps. I mean, if you if you find this on the Internet, it's about nine minutes. It's the Sting poker game. And it's about nine minutes. And these were the chumps, you know, that Robert Shaw was Doyle Lonigan was uh you know, was going to take their money. And then Paul Newman comes in and somehow, you know, they, of course, tricks uh, Robert Shaw. And, you know, I told this uh, this guy, I said, look, it's with the Chinese, they're like Robert Shaw, you know, and we have either got to be as menacing as he is or else as clever as Paul Newman. And I said that I don't think we're as clever as Paul Newman and I don't see any indication we're as menacing as Robert Shaw. And if you're not like that, the those tough guys will run over you. And that, I'm afraid, is what, you know, we face. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of guy who can stand up to, you know, who can really be as menacing in their own way. And Mike Pompeo was pretty good at that in his own way. Uh, and so there is no nice way to get around what we have coming with Taiwan or to think that there's a deal that can be cut or that there's something that will placate uh, the Chinese communists, and you know, to their credit, you know, they know how to play their hand pretty well, and they've sized up the chumps on the other side of the table, and you can't blame them for taking advantage of it. You know, I wish they wouldn't, but you know, that's the reality of it. Uh, you know, so either we get some sort of tough customers and uh, on our side who will take these people on, or you know, at the end of the day, they are going to threaten to kill us, and we're going to back down. Uh, so maybe we're getting ready for the great sellout of Taiwan. I don't know. You know what is in- the other thing that's interesting about your comment is, you know, the discussion of even. Um, I mean, this this is a, a testament to how far Taiwan's come in. I don't know. You could tell me how many years, but I mean, <clears throat> I mean, hell, twenty years ago, you know, any time you would even say Taiwan, the Chinese would throw a fit, and and it would not even be discussed. And now we're talking about, hey, we have to tell them that we will nuke them. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty seminal change in terms of, you know, how how Taiwan's being discussed in, in world circles. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's stunning turnaround. Yes, uh, it is. You know, I think that it particularly, I think, uh, reflects the the shifting balance of power and both military military power, but also psychological power that the the Chinese have got and you know the you know and that's as important as you know actually the actual hardware balance uh, so that is not a good thing when the other side thinks it's got the upper hand and where it's actually um, what sort of working up its own population getting them ready for a war and it's laying the infrastructure for it uh, that the, neither of those are good things. And it's, you know, it, it isn't just that, you know, that they improve their odds of getting across the strait, getting ashore, and then defeating the Taiwan armed forces. 
but that they create such an overwhelming sort of presence and uh, both physical and psychological that Taiwan backs down and Washington backs down. And, you know, this one doesn't have to go back that far, but to the, the 30s with Poland or Czechoslovakia, uh, where the, the British and the French just decide, well, it's just not worth it. You know, we just can't do anything because the Germans have gotten so strong. And during that period when they could have been stopped, when the balance could have been uh, maintained or even arrested and turned back, they did nothing because it was too scary. And you reach a point at which you can't move, and that's where I think we may be in some, uh, some trouble. And it certainly has shifted. I suppose I've been watching it for 25 years that I can remember. Uh, and it, you know, it has, it has just, it has moved in a direction that it, one wishes it hadn't. And it's really been at about the last decade that it's gotten to the point where uh, one really needs to worry. And we've had our chances to uh, sort of, as I say, arrest the slide, uh, but we've chosen not to, you know, as near as I can tell. Though it is, the game's not over, but it is late in the day. Uh, and it never it doesn't get any easier the longer you wait. Uh, so, but once again, I'm I'm um, speaking in obscurity, other than my rare appearances <laughs> on All Marine Radio. You know, so it's not like anyone cares what you know retired USMCR Newsham has to say. Uh, so, no matter no matter how true or profound it may be, um, talk to me about um, you know this week. Um, in fact, I think it was just yesterday, I saw a story that said American intelligence sources surprised at China's development of a hypersonic nuclear weapon. Um, did you see that story? I did see it. Um, I was too depressed to read it in detail. <laughs> uh, not really joking. You know, it, uh, you know, it, it's these are the sorts of things that the Americans used to get first. And, you know, it could be that we've got, you know, something even better than that in the works or ready to go, but not necessarily. Uh, but they, uh, the Chinese do have it. And they, of course, say, well, it's just for defensive purposes. But no, they will play it and they will use it uh, and put it into operation, uh, you know, at the, when, they, when they feel like it. And it does put us at a huge disadvantage if it's, you know, if as reported. Uh, this is just par for the course for U.S. intelligence to have missed this uh, new Chinese weapon and capability. They have done this over and over and over over the last 30 years. And they have the things that they have said the Chinese wouldn't have for a decade. You, if, they, if that's what they're saying, you generally know that the Chinese already have it. Uh, and they have been so wrong so often about Chinese developments and capabilities that it, it really, you know, it's, um, you're not surprised. Actually, if, if they had said U.S. intelligence was all over this and knew it all about it, that would have been the, the news story because it would have been the first time probably in history uh, that they ever have been. And this was not good news to see this. You know, some of the Chinese advances are incremental and, you know, things we can handle. Uh, you know, say if they make two Type 75 amphibious ships or something like that, or launch three nuclear subs, you know, you can kind of handle that, but not what they've just announced. Uh, unless we've got something to match it or over, over, overcome it uh, or something better, that this is a, a serious development. Uh, but this is, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Uh, but when you do, as I said, it, it it does kind of make me feel smart, though, whenever I read these things, because, you know, I've kind of, I and some others have figured this out. But when CIA, DIA, the entire IC, the intelligence community has oh. missed it, despite having their $80, $85 billion budget every year, they couldn't figure it out. Uh, you know, as I say, it makes me feel intelligent. Uh but they, there was also the other thing in the news that the CIA has set up a what a China mission center uh, just the other day, as if this is going to help them uh, 
get China's secrets from them and understand China better. Uh, you know, if really the the only question that should have been is that the, you know, it's a whomever should have called in the head of the CIA and the head of East Asia Division and said, have you got China wired? And if the answer was anything but no, and let me show you how we have it wired, they all should have been fired and bring in some people who can do the job. But instead, it's just a reorganization as if this is going to do anything. So it's hard not to be too uh, pessimistic or depressed about you know, the, the state of our intelligence uh, efforts against uh, the PRC. And, and guys who are older than me, they actually explained other, uh, you know, other, situa other instances where this is similar things that happened. The Chinese had produced these things out of the blue that nobody even knew about, uh, or that um, the prediction was they'll never have it for a decade or two. But the, the joke is amongst certain circles that, as I said, if the in, if the experts say that China won't have something for a decade, that pretty much guarantees they already have it. All right. The um, next question. Now, which would you be more likely to believe that an American sub, hypothetically, if this happened, an American nuclear-powered attack sub hit a Chinese sub underwater or that it hit something underwater that it didn't see? Which would you be more likely to believe? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, it, you know, in this case, you know, it's just gotten to the point where I would say it probably hit a Chinese sub. Uh, you know, it's a, there's a point at which you just can't, you know, the, the, the stupidity or it gets to be so such that you have to assume the worst rather than the sort of the less worst. Uh, I, I don't, so I would say it just maybe it did hit something that like a Chinese sub, a Russian sub, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, as part of this scandal, of course, is that um, there's, they have to send it back to the West Coast to fix it. Uh, and there was a good article, I forget where, it might have been Stars and Stripes, I don't know, or somewhere else, that it pointed out how Guam's capabilities for doing major ship repairs are non-existent. And that was, you know, has worked out since the mid-90s that it has graduated, you know, has lost those capabilities because America's military ruling class and apparently enough of its political ruling class didn't think it was important, didn't think it would ever be necessary to have that capability like in Guam as opposed to 6,000 miles farther to the east. Uh, and that, that is a scandal. You know, it is it's absolutely criminal. You know, you go back to the, the Ray Mabus era or take your pick, you know, when these things were being, you know, were considered, people were aware of the problem, nothing was done. You know, instead they, you know, try to focus on getting green fuels or naming ships after people who were never in the Navy or changing the, you know, the, the Navy uniform for the umpteenth time, making sure that it fits W, whatever, WNs or women sailors and stuff. But like a repair facility in Guam? Nah, that's just too much to think about. But we, uh, you know, it's not leprechauns that got us into this problem. So, but that was a follow-on from the, uh, that collision in the South China Sea. Uh, and, you know, that pointed out another short, uh, very serious shortcoming we have. And if you're thinking about fighting a war out in the Pacific, you know, you might want to get stuff fixed a little closer than the American West Coast. Uh, but the, as far as what it hit, you know, I was talking to a, a guy from Oklahoma and um, he suggested that it, it, it probably was not that Sooner wagon that they ride around at the Oklahoma game. Yes, of course. So I, he said it probably wasn't that. But I'm suggesting that it might have been Bevo, the big cow with the big horns that the Texas people's. Um, maybe he was uh, underwater and that's what it hit. But, uh, but I think we'd probably rule out both of those. But I would go with uh, uh, something more handsome. Uh, like a, a Chinese sub or some sort of, I don't know, underwater vehicle they've got. Uh, you know, you can't rule it out. Right. right. Well, I heard it, it was a good rumor that I heard, so I figured I would spread it. Um, another thing I saw that um, you've sensitized me to, and that is Mr. Duterte. Um, 
the Philippines has said that we want to expand our military cooperation with the United States. Um, did you see that? And this has been quite the crooked mile that Mr. Duterte has walked uh, during his time in office. Um, what's coming next? And is this the pre prelude to um, a, how do they say it, reapproach mall? Um, of uh, of the United States and the Philippines? What's going on? Well, I, I think it might be a rapprochement. No, I'm sure that if there's any Frenchie, <laughs> if there's any Frenchies listening to this, they will have just You slid a... into that pretty well, Grant. Uh, I'm not well, going to lie to you. The, I can feel the Gaelic sneer coming my way. Oh, trust me. <laughs> trust me. It was That's there. Right. You slid right into it. And let's just yeah. so everybody knows. Grant's favorite punching bag is the people who he just quoted. Rapprochement. That thing? Yeah. I have lots of punching bags. <laughs> no, that's your favorite, right? <laughs> that is well, the favorite. Yeah. Well, yeah, I take that all. back. I take that back. I would say the, that's the number one favorite. Number two is any discussion about the Army uh, headquarters in the Pacific. Number three are public affairs officers. I would say my experience with you my lengthy experience with you over the years has taught me that. So, yeah. So, but you you haven't mentioned Baltimore, but that's okay. <laughs> no, and you love, but you love Baltimore in a, in a very I, I do, you know, peculiar I, way. They've sort of gotten me used to being a loser. It is sobering. Constant, constant humiliation by the Orioles and the Colts as a well, child. But, but back in the day, no, they were when you were a kid. The, you know, I just heard Johnny Unitas's name yesterday. Johnny oh, yeah. Johnny Unitas was he was my hero when I was a little kid. He had a I had a flat top. Johnny Unitas had a flat top, and uh, he wore high tops. And he mm. was uh, he was uh, this uh, hardworking kind of guy that did really good stuff for the Baltimore Colts, and and the Baltimore Orioles. They were under Earl Weaver with Jim Palmer and Mike Cuellar and Dennis Martinez and uh, Brooks Boom, Robinson yeah. and Frank Robinson mm -hmm. and Mark Belanger and Kurt Flood and Don Buford who fought in Vietnam, um, all those guys. So yeah, Baltimore used to have an illustrious sports uh, thing, and mm -hmm. and they have the Ravens now. And then a little bit south are the uh, Nationals that used to be good a couple years ago, and uh, so, but yeah, Baltimore oh. is distant down the down the list. Well, there well, it depends, but the um, but back to Philip the Philippines. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed that thing, that article that saying they're going to be what back to what full scale regular exercise program from two twenty twenty two or such like, and that's nice. But at the same time, the Chinese, the Filipinos are now seriously talking about developing offshore oil fields with the Chinese. And so there's at least two things going on in the Philippines at the same time. And uh, it kind of reflects a couple aspects of Chinese, uh, Philippine society in that there is great love for the United States and both at, at all levels of the society. Uh, but in the Philippines ruling class, there is just immense venality. That's like corruption. And they would sell out... Um, like a, uh, a family member, they would sell out the country for some money. And that's what they've got in mind to do with the Chinese uh, over this oil field development. So there's these two forces at play. And I'm not sure how it uh, will play out. But what we see. So, so let me ask, so, so what Mr. Duterte did, um, you know, other people are, are standing in line to do in terms of to capitalize on, on his. Um, power in the government to for their own personal gain, and that is a that's a that's a national industry, especially at the high end of Philippine society. Yes, yeah, it's what they do. You know, they just can't help themselves. And you know, Duterte will get. You know, they you track it whatever way. He's going to get a cut of any oil field developments via somebody. Uh, so they say there's two parts of this. You know, very pro-American in places. And very, uh, I don't know, corrupt, not pro-American, pro-Chinese uh, in other places. And sometimes it shifts, it sort of there's, uh, it bleeds over one to the other. So it can be a little hard to uh, 
you know, it's, I say to speak precisely about what's going on. But it is, it's a complex place, but it, it, it's complex, but it's not complicated, uh, if you think about it. So that's sort of where we are with the Philippines. Uh, and so I'm not quite sure, you know, you know how it's going to play out. But, you know, we've, uh, it's played out, you know, not too badly, considering how bad it could have been for the last six, seven years. And I think the Americans did a pretty good job of at least on the military side of not, you know, of doing whatever they could do and not raising too much of a fuss. But on the, the political side, uh, the economic side, we've not done, uh, we've not taken advantage of opportunities we might have. But the Filipinos do have something to do with that. And, you know, if they are going to, you know, have a corrupt ruling class, well, there's only so much that, uh, that, that we can do about that. They do have some responsibility to, um, you know, behave sort of honestly, but uh, it, you know, it's a, a tough place to, to figure out. But it, once again, it's not, you know, n not a lost cause at all, to my way of thinking. I got it. Got it. Um, no, it's interesting because as we as we talked before, and an American presence in the Philippines changes the entire equation over there. And hmm. and I want to. Um, I want to I want to now introduce Vladimir Putin into all this uh, headline. China welcomes positive remarks from as Pu Putin speaks on the South China Sea. Russian President Vladimir Putin calls for disputes in the South China Sea to be resolved without the interference from non-regional powers. Um, uh, what do you make of the, the Russians and the Chinese acting like they like each other? <laughs> it's um well, it, you know, it only goes so far. You know, they'll do it as long as it causes us discomfort. Uh, and they will cooperate you know, to some degree. But at the, the bottom, the, the, sort of the basic level, uh, the Russians don't like the Chinese. Uh, and it's the Chinese sort of reciprocated. Uh, the, uh, you know, Putin must wake up every morning, you know, wishing or wondering if there's going to be like five big Chinese cities on his side of the border in Siberia. And there's Chinese, a Russian territory out in the Far East that uh, the Chinese have no doubts rightfully belong to China, that they were unfairly taken away by the Russians, and that when the time is right, they will get, get it back. Uh, and th that's going to happen. You know, so they say that relationship only goes so far. It'd be like, rival mob bosses cooperating against a third right. enemy. You know, they don't really, they're rival mob bosses at the end of the day. And, you know, I had a, you know, it's like a lot of things when you're a liberal arts major, some things kind of stick with you. And I had, a, I took Russian in college, actually. And the teacher was a nice old white Russian lady. And she, her family were refugees. She and her family, she was young then, were refugees after the revolution. And she grew up in Harbin, Manchuria, uh, which I think at the, I don't know if the Japanese had it yet, but, uh, but it, so she grew up amongst, you know, in, in China, basically. And she used to tell us stories about, you know, her experiences there. And I thought these were really interesting. And, you know, she grew up, for example, with Yul Brenner. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, because who also grew up there? And they, she was friends with Yul Brenner. And I asked her if he had hair back then. And, she said, oh, no, he had lots of hair. And she didn't have a sense of humor the way that guys like me have. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I remember her telling us about something or other. And the thing that I remember at the end of it was um, she, she uh, sort of said to herself very quietly, not to the class, but I heard her say it. Um, she said something like, the Chinese, there's so many of them. They're like ants. We could never kill them all. And what you got was a very Russian, Slavic, Slavic, Slavic look at China with that comment. And it has always struck with me. And I have never come across Slavs or Russians since then that have given me any reason to think that what she said did not reflect the, the, the bottom of their psyche when it comes to China and the Chinese. Uh, so that, you know, to me, it's always means, it's always told me that there's a limit to how far the Russians will go. 
in terms so of So you're it, you're essentially saying I wash for convenience. And don't 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 mistake this for anything other than that. I'm saying but I'm saying it only goes so far. Right. But they can cause us all sorts of trouble in the meantime. Right. Uh, and which you know, seems to be Vladimir Putin's, you know, calling. Uh, yeah, life. you know, and you, you got to admire the guy in <laughs> right. some respects. The know? true Doctor Evil, right? You, well, the true Doctor Evil. You know, you, you see, some ways you gotta you gotta admire him. He's played his hand really well. Oh, and he's, not, and he doesn't have a great hand, right? He doesn't have a no. great economy. He doesn't his military is 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 a wreck uh, although they're trying to retool yeah. it they have very very limited capabilities but he goes around the world right and playing his game of bluff and he's i'll tell you what there's nobody better in my opinion than vladimir putin as a as a uh as a as a representative as a do i do i dare call him a statesman as a uh, leader of his nation because he leverages you know what the russian people have he leverages that to for everything that he can get, and uh, and you it's know, it, it's good to know that he's get, being rewarded so handsomely for it. Um, but uh, you know, part of that thing to remember is that the Russians still, you know, they've sold submarines to the Vietnamese, who are not friends of the Chinese. They've sold advanced anti-aircraft systems to the Vietnamese, and to the rush to the Indians as well. A lot of military hardware uh, to them. Uh, so they, they've done some things which are not what you would do if the Chinese were your best of friends. So I say that's it's always some it's a little de some details to keep in mind, uh, you know, when it comes to the Russia China relationship. All right, I'm going to give you a few headlines, and I want you to give me a 60 second or less answer. All right. Okay. First headline: UK military might observe renewed full scale. Balakatan drills in the Philippines. Well, it's nice to see the British getting out and about. They, you know, you can always say, well, there's like only one or two of them and the entire Royal Navy could fit into, uh, you know, you could park it into the basin at Oceanside, you know, across from that restaurant where you can get free chips and they have 20 different kinds of salsas. Uh, it's, the Royal Navy really has declined, as has British military power. But it is nice to see them out there, and they have a political. There's a political significance to it, and Britain still has some political weight, and it has a useful role to play in Asia. So I'm glad to see that they will be at Balikatan. Uh, it's always a good thing to have them there. I'd like to see them with a permanent presence up in in Japan as well. Can you explain to everybody what Balikatan is? Uh, it's a joint Philippine-U.S. exercise. It's traditionally. Marines in the Philippines, uh, Philippine Marines, I, I guess, and the, the navies get into it a bit. Uh, but that's what it is. It's the, the flagship exercise for the, the Yankees and the Filipinos. Got it. Next headline, Philippines files new protest over Chinese presence in the South China Sea. What is that about? Well, once again, it's, uh, you know, it's that dichotomy or that, uh, what do you call it, the uh, the, the paradox of, of Philippine society, where part of it is doesn't like the Chinese, is very pro-American, and then other parts would would sell out for less than 30 pieces of silver. Uh, so the Philippines, they won that lawsuit against the, the Chinese over Chinese encroachment and seizure of the Philippines' maritime territory. The lawsuit was decided in 2016. Uh, the Chinese immediately said that this was just a piece of waste paper and they would not follow it. And the Obama administration uh, let them get away with it. Um, they sent the national security advisor, I think, and the chief of naval operations to Beijing shortly after the decision was announced that really hammered the, the Chinese for what they'd done. And the Americans did not mention the International <laughs> Court of Justices, uh, or the, the Hague's, um, it was a different body. Uh, well, I know it was the ICJ. They didn't, or whatever, they didn't mention the I thought it was. I thought it, it was a subset of that that was dealing with the, the international law of the sea. Yeah, I should know, but I apologize. That's all right. We won't. I've we come won't, up short. I mean, now that, now that, now that you've, you've reached your yeah. unique celebrity status, yeah. you yeah, can make all kinds of, you can make all kinds of, 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you could be more personality than substance, Grant. You've arrived. Okay. Well, that's that works to my advantage. Congratulations. But the, but the Americans said nothing. And they, the idea was that if they didn't embarrass the Chinese, the Chinese would behave nicer. Well, that didn't work. But that was, But the Filipinos noticed that and said, well, the Americans really are not on our side. And that's when the Philippines really started to shift more towards China, uh, was after the Americans uh, left, them, left them in the lurch on that South China Sea issue. That's, and it's stunning because that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a layup. That's an easy one. Next headline. New regional alliances highlight ASEAN's irrelevance, according to analysts. What does that mean? I yeah, it, it's, it, you know, ASEAN, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, uh, is, has never lived up to its potential, assuming it even had potential. Uh, and the idea, it has not been able to get any sort of unified position against China or really for or against anything. You know, because there's countries that don't want to agree to whatever it is. And the idea has always been, well, ASEAN has to be taken seriously, like a, a, like sort of like NATO is taken seriously or the EU. Um, but people have finally just given up on that. I th when I say people, I think unless you're part of ASEAN and one of the people in ASEAN who goes to the annual meetings and lives at five-star hotels, etc., uh, that it, most people, I think, don't take ASEAN all that seriously uh, anymore, although nobody can say it uh, for whatever reason. And there's, maybe there's good reasons not to say it directly. But when you have things like this recent U.S.-U.K.-Australia agreement, uh, that you know those things happen independent of ASEAN, uh, the Quad um, as well. That too, nobody they reach the they reach it the agreement, and nobody's thinking. Well, how can we bring ASEAN into this? Maybe we should let them can know you, about it. And can see you what they explain think. to everybody what the quad is? Oh, that's the, it's not your thigh. Okay, just, um, just so everybody knows. It's the let's repeat. It's um, it's an informal relationship between the Americans, the Japanese, the Australians, and the Indians, and it's centered on security cooperation. Uh, but it's it it feeds it also feeds into a degree of political cooperation and alignment, and eventually it may go beyond that to economic, financial, etc. Maybe even a formal arrangement of some sort. But it's a level of cooperation between those four major Asian powers or Pacific powers that's never existed before. It was ultimately the Japanese who really pushed it starting in the mid-2000s, and then it was the Americans poo-pooed it, and the Australians did as well, and the Japanese kept at it, and then around when, 2014-15 maybe, maybe later, or actually later than that, um, the it came back to life, and it's actually turned into something pretty good so far. It's a nice development, uh, but it's just those four countries, and they may eventually let some others into play, um, but, you know, but say ASEAN as an org institution just isn't, you know, well, wouldn't be able to agree on it or anything useful. But within ASEAN, you have some, a, a different ra range of different countries and opinions. And you have some like uh, the Singapore that's sort of pro-America, but is straddling the fence. You have Indonesia, which doesn't like the Chinese, but it's fiercely independent. Uh, and if there's a limit to how good friends they will be, you have the Philippines, we've talked about them, Thailand, that used to be a great friend of the Americans, and then the Obama administration tried to humiliate them so uh, much that they shifted dangerously close to the Chinese. Though they're, they're not enemies yet, but they, they aren't the friends they used to be. And then you have Cambodia and Laos that are basically Chinese colonies or headed that way. Um, and then Malaysia, which is sort of a friend, uh, but has its peculiarities. So you can see you've got a different, it's hard to, to characterize ASEAN as pro-American, anti-Chinese, or it's hard to figure out what exactly they've got in mind, got given the nature of the participants. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you um, two questions, and I'm going to roll it into one, uh, two headlines. One, Malaysia to seek China's view on AUKUS pact. Am I, how, is that how you say it, Oculus? 
Well, the AUKUS? We, 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 we call it AUKUS. AUKUS. I have no idea what the French call it, but the, uh, <laughs> the, no, the uh, but it's AUKUS but it, is what, what it's seek, been said. Yeah. Malaysia to seek China's view on AUKUS pact in ministers' Beijing visits. So that's one. Here's number two. Philippines throws support behind AUKUS pact. So why don't you run the kaleidoscope uh, from Malaysia to the Philippines relative to the AUKUS pact? Well, that's a good, you know, kaleidoscope's the right word. I Thank think you. with the Mal Malaysians, it's, um, you, you've got within Malaysia's ruling class, you've got some guys who are either nuts or just really pro-China. Um, and there's always a financial aspect to it. And then you have other Malay Malaysians who are not and who, you know, see things very different very differently. Uh, and in this case, you just happen to get a minister or two who are sort of in that former group that I've talked about. So they're, they're saying, oh, we have to see what the Chinese think. And then there's plenty of other Malaysians who think, yeah, go ahead, but we don't really care. Uh, so you, Malaysia, like anywhere, it's, you have to know who you're dealing with and, you know, what the, and where the, the, the powers are. And, and you, you know, really ought to be looking for the people that actually kind of like us or support us and giving them some support and some attention. Instead, we seem to too often pay attention to the other side, that there's no possible way to win them over. Um, but the Philippines, once again, you, you've, they're, you know, the people who are talking about AUKUS, you know, they're glad to have anything that looks like a counterbalance to, uh, to China. Because the, the Chinese really, they've taken Philippine maritime territory and they would like to take more. And those, those there's the Filipinos I've just mentioned, they don't like that. So to them, seeing the AUKUS agreement, they think it improves their prospects against uh, eventual Chinese domination. All right. Uh, you've been very gracious. That was very, hey, those are very good answers. I like that. Um, I like the little lightning round thing. What um what are you writing about next? Oh man, I'm writing a book review because I was asked. You know, I, what the nuances uh, of French culture? Oh, it's, I wish because that's easy. But the, no, it's about Chinese media warfare against Taiwan. Oh. And book reviews are hard to do because one, you have to read the book, uh, which kind of makes sense. But also, the, the temptation is to want to say everything that's in it. So it, may, it could be like a six thousand word review. If you're not careful and it plus there's just so much that somehow you have to read the thing digest it and then put it down in maybe a thousand words and that's always it's really those are the hardest things for me to write short of like um awards you know for um you know you know like a award language um like for a navy achievement medal or something <laughs> You know how there's a it's a it's a language it's a vocabulary that you have to master and I've never mastered that, um, but uh, so book reviews are really tough for me to write and I've I've just about got it to where I can get it moved along, um, but it's taken probably twice as long as the normal thing that I write. Well, when you don't write when you don't read the book, you're asking for read, trouble. Well, I read the book. That's, yeah, that's, that's what no, everybody, I, if you read the book, you don't have any, like, I'll, I'll review this thing. I just do it, right? Especially if you're, I mean, you're a man of letters, right? You're a well-read man. It's not like you have to go searching for an opinion, Grant. I mean, for the love of God, if you didn't read the book, just admit it. It's okay. You're I a, read the book. You're a celebrity so, now. Yeah, well, that's true. But the, uh, <laughs> no, I, I read it, swear to God. <laughs> and uh, no, I could send you the copy of it, the hard copy with all my notes in it. Um, but that's what um, you know. Some people are good at good at some things and not as good at it as as at others. Uh, so that's that's what I'm trying to finish up. And then I'm going to be writing about the type the Chinese Marine Corps. All right, Grant. First of all, I appreciate you hopping on uh, with me. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, as always, uh, um, I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about, about, I mean, I've been doing all morning radio now for five and a half years and I don't know, I don't know when the first time you came on, I, I could probably, 
you know what? I will find out here momentarily. But um, they asked me, like, what did you learn in, in, in the in the years that you've done this? You know, what did you, what have you learned the most about? And I said, well, um, uh, I I would say tra- I've learned more most about trauma, uh, and and because it's a lot of what I do. I said, but um, right behind right behind that is is uh, I'm I have a guy by the name of Grant Newsham that uh, I read something he wrote. I reached out to him and he came on and uh, and I said I have uh, I've learned more about the Western Pacific um, than you know. Uh, I said, I now think I have a pretty good understanding of um, uh, of the things that go on out there. And I would have never, ever told you uh, that that would have uh, that that would have taken place. But I mean, you have uh, you have uh, you've taught me more and the people that listen to this program. Um, you've taught all of us uh, just an absolute a ton of uh of uh you know of 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 i guess content um you've familiarized us with different uh issues there you've linked uh certain issues to other issues and uh and so i have to tell you um uh it was just interesting conversation i had um i said you know i i i didn't realize all the different um agendas out there um, I probably knew they were out there because it's like any other part of the world. And when you have so many of them come together and then you have China out there, it's certainly going to get complicated. But I said, yeah. I said, if you if you want to get smart about something, uh, listen to Grant because, you know, um, Grant doesn't pull any punches about the things that he, that he believes in and the things he knows th- to be true. And uh, it's probably one of the best things I do. So. I don't mean to give you that many compliments in such a short space, but uh, I like it. Keep, keep it coming. <laughs> but but I'm I'm sucking up to you now that you're a national celebrity. So yeah. the uh, well, that's a, you, you. Well, you don't. You can't reduce my payments. <laughs> no, no, you you won't have to worry about that. You won't have to worry about that. All right, Grant. Um, somebody asked me, so I'll, I'll ask you, and then you can let let everybody know. Where do people? find you now uh and your writing i mean you you migrate yourself around a little bit so could you explain to everybody how they find your um how they find your uh uh your work one way is to just type my name into the internet you know it seems to produce a lot but the the explain to everybody how they spell your name Oh, um, G. Frederick Newsham. No, I'm joking. They, I haven't reached. I'm almost at the point of going by a first initial and then a middle name. Oh my god! You know, like the cool, the cool cats. <laughs> but the, no, name it, uh, name one. That that's coming. But the uh, if you try just Grant Newsham, uh, that'll produce a, a fair amount. But the there's uh, one place you can find most of this stuff is actually on LinkedIn. I, I seem to put most stuff up there. You know. I'm, um, but also and magazine a n d magazine uh they've you know got a fair number of articles um asia times has a a good bunch uh stored up because i've had been doing stuff for them for about five years uh, and you you'll find that they have like uh what do you call it like um an archive of yes. stuff and then lately i've been writing for an outfit called epoch times e p o c h times uh, which is uh, they uh, does very good reporting, and you know I get criticized for writing for them by you know quizlings, uh, but Epic Times is you know an outfit that the Chinese communists have tried to destroy their printing presses in Hong Kong. They sent you know gangsters and thugs in to do it, and they've also beaten up. Uh, at least one of their female reporters in Hong Kong, which kind of tells you they're doing something right. Uh, plus, they do good old school reporting, which, you know, if anyone remembers what that was. So those places you can, I think, find uh, what, I, what I do. I've been meaning to get like a web page uh, for, for years, but I'm, you know, kind of lazy. Uh, so I've... Uh, that's not, you know, kind, kind of lazy. That's yeah, extremely yeah. lazy. 
it's uh, yeah, I've paved the road to another <laughs> paved the road to hell paved with good intentions. I think I've paved a probably there you like, go. At, least, at least from like uh, Carlsbad out to Riverside. Yeah. Um, all you got to do is get a page and then just put the links up there, Grant. It's not like it's hard. No idea how this stuff perplexes me. Uh, you know, I used to think until not all that long well, you know, ago. You should, uh, you should just send the links to me, and I'll put them on. A, I'll, I'll put a All Marine Radio featuring Grant Newsham. I'll put them on. You send me the links, and I'll copy and paste them. Well, then I'll regularly do that. They, uh, yeah. they, yeah. I used to think until like maybe seven, eight years ago that if you had like a CD, that once you played it, that I thought you turned it over. Does that give you? Now, do you believe me that a web page is actually no, um, no. somebody who's who's aspiring to use a, a first initial and a middle name, and somebody who slid into that rapprochement so easily, <laughs> right? Is not fooling me. I'm not the rube you think I am, Grant. Just for the record. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. If you want to send them to me, I'll start posting them. And uh, and uh, we can uh, we'll put a little link up there to your uh, your website that uh, the what Center for Strategic what what is that which one oh Center oh that's right Center for Security Policy yeah we put a little oh. link up there that oh, will take yeah, you to yeah, a page yeah. over there so we'll uh, oh, oh they've actually got a fair amount because I send them everything I hadn't thought of that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. all right sir well first of all thank you very much. And uh, start sending me those links, and I'll create a page for you. Okay. Well, I've got to go on a, a rendezvous right now. See <laughs> uh, vous play? Um, uh, yeah. C'est si bon. All them Frenchies. <laughs> I'll never go to Quebec, I'm pretty sure, because they'll uh, arrest me. Well, they'd arrest me anyway since I'm... Let me tell you, it's a pretty good town, though. Mm -hmm. Quebec yeah. City is a pretty good town. Montreal, uh, another pretty good town. You want to... You know, I've been to Quebec City a couple, few times, and actually, it's uh, it's worth going to. It's one of the neatest places on earth. Yeah, yeah. Montreal, strip capital of the world. Somebody Amen. Told, somebody, Amen. somebody told me that. All right. Somebody told me that. So anyway, all right, Grant. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Sure. Righto. Okay. Thanks a lot. What a great interview. Right? I mean, it's no secret. I'm a huge fan of my own work, but uh, Grant's fantastic. Just having that conversation with him. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. Uh, kind of wheeling around current events, and, and then he'll kind of take you, you know, linking them, whatnot. So, yeah, awesome. Anyway, that'll do it on a Tuesday. Um, stay tuned while this song plays as I do some quick editing and then I will flip this over so uh, I used to do be able to do it pretty quick but because of some changes in technology it takes a little bit longer now so enjoy Steve Winwood right uh, you'll hear this on uh, momentarily from the beginning when I talk about Colin Powell's legacy I think um, what to me is impressive about um uh, about General Powell is, is that it's an American legacy, right? That includes his flaws, right? And his failures. And I think that's what makes it great. So talk about that at the start, right? And that we should not seek to cover those up. We should seek to understand them. And I think we gain a greater appreciation for that human being and, and, and their struggles to be the kind of person they want to be, the kind of leader they thought they should be. And Colin Powell's life takes him through me lie. Um, after the event, as the division that he's a part of looks at it, and he's part of, he's one of the people that looks at those events. And so that's in his past. And as well as, right, uh, as Secretary of State, um, taking the intelligence to the United Nation with all the credibility that he had uh, for the Bush administration and essentially supporting the nation going to war in Iraq, which he would come to regret. 
So anyway, uh, talk about that at the beginning. So don't touch that dial. Um, I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Um, starting another post-traumatic winning seminar a week from tonight. Yeah. And uh, if you're interested, send me an email. And I'm telling you, if, if you want to do yourself a favor, hop in this thing. They're phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I had an experience last night that was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, with that said, have a great day. Enjoy Steve Winwin here for a few, for maybe a couple minutes, and I will flip this thing around. So, on a Tuesday, that's the day of the week it is. I'm Mike McNamara, and I'm out.